Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia welcomes you to our weekly time of worship and study of God's Word with Pastor Jesse Wagoner. So sit back, relax, and get comfortable, because when you're here, you're home. But uh, we want to get back into Hebrews, and just to remind you of the setting of the book, we've entitled, the subtitle of this book of Hebrews is entitled, Jesus the Greatest of All. Because the writer of Hebrews is speaking to Hebrew Christians who were facing a lot of difficulty and a lot of trouble, and he wants to encourage them. Now, since we were last together, a notable day has occurred that's already been celebrated, and it was celebrated on the second Friday of January, and I just found out it's celebrated every second Friday of January, and it's known as Quitter's Day. (laughs) Because somebody calculated that people who make New Year's resolutions, it hits the 50% mark of people who've already quit by that point. So it's known as Quitter's Day. By the end of January, they say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of the upper 70s of people who quit their resolutions. And I only say that to say this, this writer is writing to these people, and God has preserved us in the text of Scripture so that we will be people who don't quit. That when things get tough, things get difficult, things get whatever they get, that we come back to this reality that Jesus is the greatest of all. And particularly here in chapter 11, you just look down how many times it begins with the phrase, by faith, by faith, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, and we come to verse 8, by faith, Abraham, and we'll look at his and Sarah's life in this text context today. But it's by faith that we don't quit, that we have a focus in a certain way. And particularly when we come to Abraham and Sarah today, and by the way, Abraham and Sarah's family goes from chapter 11 verse 8 all the way through verse 22. We're not going to cover quite that much today, but it, it details the story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. In fact, uh, that, that, that particular grouping of people covers 38 chapters of biblical real estate in the book of Genesis, basically from uh, Genesis chapter 12 to uh, chapter 50. So he assumes that these Hebrew believers know a little bit about Abraham and Sarah and so forth. So he doesn't go into great detail of their life. By the way, that's preserved back in the book of Genesis where you read, by the way, we have a little resource we encourage you to use if you don't have another devotional to use. It's called Today in the Word, and you can find the link to it on the bottom of every page of our website. But if you're using that, you're studying through this section of Genesis this month, so you're, you're right in the thick of that if uh, that is what you are practicing and enjoying together. So we come to Abraham and Sarah, and we look at their lives, and here's the reality. In order to keep moving forward, we need to have this focus on seeing the future, seeing the future, that we want to see the future. Now, you say, you just said a moment ago, we don't know the future. Well, we don't, but the great news is God does. And He has informed us about the points of future He wants us to know. does not satisfy our curiosity but he satisfies our souls with what we need to know about the future. And you're going to find out when we look at Abraham and Sarah's life that indeed these were, these were people who were focused on the future. And if you've got your Bible, I hope you do, look at verse 8, Genesis, excuse, Genesis, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. 
by faith. By faith, he saw the future. And if we're going to keep moving forward, we need to focus, have our focus fixed on, on the future. Now, I just want to share kind of three very simple but very significant concepts that you get from this passage to help us to kind of, to just kind of refresh our thinking on this reality that we need to have a, a forward focus, a, a future focus, and see how this encourages us. First of all, we need to start with a taste of promise. If we can get just a taste of the promise that God has for us, not the whole thing, not the whole meal, not the whole delivery, but just a taste of the promise, then indeed we are going to be able to see the future as we f flash forward in faith. Now it says in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. So he was called, and we know this from the story in Genesis, he was from a place called Ur, which was way over in the east country, and he's, he relocates to Canaan, what we now know as the promised land or the land of promise. And he relocates there, and the only thing he had to for, further that journey was the fact that God spoke to him. There was no other evidence. God didn't deliver a, a, a title deed to his property. God didn't have a welcoming committee when he stepped across the threshold into Canaan. He just says, you go there, and I give you my word that there's going to be an inheritance for you there. Just a taste. Now, it also says he would go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. In other words, the land you're going to, the land that I'm calling you to leave your homeland, and the land that you're going to trek to, the land that you're going to go to, that's going to be a land that's going to be yours. And all of your descendants, this is going to be their land. Now, Abram lived in that land for a long period of time. He made a little sojourn down into Egypt and so forth, and you can read all that adventure back there in Genesis. But uh, he lived in that land for a long time, and there was only one piece of property he ever owned in his lifetime. That's in his later years when Sarah died, he bought a little place to bury her. One grave plot was the only thing he owned in that whole land his whole life. But God was saying, you're going to have this great inheritance, you're going to have this great land. Where your foot is, is tra traversing, this is going to be yours. He didn't get the whole thing, but he got a taste. And notice the end of verse 8. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Most of don't you love that? Does that feel, can you relate to that? Like, where am I going? I don't really know. But the fact was, he had more questions than answers. He had more gaps than data. He had more mysteries than he had information. You just go, and I'm going to give you something great, Abram. And away he goes. Why? Because he lived by faith. So he needs to say, I'm going to this unknown destination at God's command. Now, he did see some of God's work there. God blessed him, and he got great possessions, and amazing things happened. And it says in verse 9, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Dwelling as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So he lived in that land. It was a land of promise, but it was a foreign country to him. He wasn't a citizen. He wasn't a part. He, he was not really at home there. And it says he was dwelling in tents. Now, I am not a fan of spending much time in tents. I'll just, be, I'll just confess that to you. Now, some of you are the rugged outdoorsmen, and you want to get out there and live off the land and that sort of thing. Uh, I bet the number of you who want to do that probably would want to do it on a day like today, but that's just my suspicion. But uh, I, I, I like more permanent structures, right? I mean, it's just, it's just my preference. And you can have yours. We can agree to disagree. But his entire lifetime in Canaan, he was living in tents. Never had a house. 
Never had a structure, never had a plot of land, never had something he called his own except for that one grave. He was just traveling around his family, his sheep, and a tent. Camped out. When you think about it, yes, God spoke to him. In chapter 12, God reveals himself to him. God gives him a promise and a covenant. That's all significant. But what did he see with his eyes? Not much. When he died, and this is what he says later, he says, it says these all died in faith, and we'll come to that later in the text. When he died, all he had was the promise, and by that time he had a son. But what he received in this life that he could touch, he could understand, was not much. You ever feel like what you have is not much? I mean... You know, sometimes we get frustrated that, that you know, we, we, want, we want to live this Christian life. We want to do something great for the Lord. And sometimes it seems like God just has not much for us. Or we feel like, you know, I want to have a good relationship with my spouse or my children or, my, you know, people I'm around, my neighbors, whatever. And, and it's, you know, you want to have that. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it gets difficult. Sometimes it's just downright difficult. So I'm not seeing much. <laughs> And sometimes when I'm trying to overcome my own stuff, my own baggage, you know, whether someone's battling an addiction or some habit or some pattern of life, and you feel like you take three steps forward, and suddenly it's two steps back, and we get frustrated. When it comes to progress, it seems like not much. Well, I want you to change that phrase. I want you to take those two words, not much, and replace them with these two words. Those two words are not yet. Abraham died in faith. He died in faith believing that there was more, that there was a land, that there was a future, there was an inheritance, there was a people, there was a nation, there was a, as God promised Abraham, through you, Abraham, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. That's an expansive promise. That means people like us, you know, a world away, millennia away. We are blessed because there is that one descendant of Abraham also a descendant through the line of Judah and through the family of David, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. And through him all, and it says, in, I love this phrase in Revelation, talking about being around the throne of glory. It says, of every tribe and nation and kindred and tongue, the whole world has that blessing available that can come to Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. All starting with this promise, this line, this person, this man who saw not much, but by faith he believed God. So when you get frustrated with your not much, just remind yourself it's not yet. This is not the point of it all. This life is not, as good as this life is, as much as we have many blessings and many things we enjoy, this is not it. Look at this verse, verse 10. For he waited for the city. He never really lived in a city. He was living out in tents, chasing sheep around. But he was looking for a city, something identifiable, something notable, something significant. But not just any city, which has foundations. It, it, it's solid. And the one thing about living in a tent, you know, you, I've, I've spent a few nights in tents, and you can't quite, you know, if the ground's not level, you're not level. Unless you've got, a, you got a, some padding between you and the ground, it's, it sometimes gets uncomfortable and sometimes bugs crawl in. You know, you know, it's just not that enjoyable. 
But I want something solid. He looked for something solid who had foundations. And you remember now, he mentioned in the preceding verse, Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. That was Isaac was his son. Uh, uh, Jacob was a, a grandson. And through Jacob, who's also known by another name, namely Israel, he had 12 sons, and from him comes the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's interesting. When John gets a little glimpse of this city, who had foundations, he, he marks two things that is interesting. He said there's 12 gates around the city. It's, it's, it's square, so there's gates, 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 gates. And inscribed on every gate is one of the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob. Then it tells us it has 12 foundations. And every foundation is inscribed with the name of one of the apostles of the Lamb. So there's this foundational reality that waits for us. And I love this last phrase, verse 10. Whose builder and maker is God. Now, some of you like to travel. Some of you have had that opportunity. Or you like to learn about other places. Or you just subscribe to the National Geographic, whatever it is. You, you like places. And maybe you've been to some of the magnificent cities of this world and the large buildings and the monuments and the history. And, and if you had that opportunity, that's impressive. But I guarantee you every one of those places you've ever been was built by the hand of man. And someday, every brick, every girder, every building, every, everything is going to crumble and be destroyed. He looked for a city who had foundations, whose builder and maker was God himself. He saw it not, and you haven't seen it either, neither have I. But someday, we step into God's presence. Someday, it'll be real. Someday, our faith will be sight. So he says to us, when you feel like there's just not much to hang on to, the point is not much. The point is not yet. So flash forward into the future. And then look at the story of his wife, verse, 10, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So you know their story, right? God specifically says, through Sarah, Abram, between the two of you, you're going to have a son. And from that son, great nation. It's going to be just an amazing reality. And she's now living with a man when the story unfolds it's, it's pushing 100 and uh, she is somewhere around 90 and they have never had a child I mean she's, she's at least about 50 years past normal childbearing years okay I mean she's a long way past it and, uh, they, and she came up with a scheme to have a child with another woman and that's bizarre but it's part of the story you can read it in the text there's one place where uh, Abraham, Abraham goes before God and says, this is Eleazar, my, my, my servant. And if you died without a son, the servant would be the surrogate heir. He says, is this the one? No, 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 you and Sarah. So at age 90, God sends some angelic messengers to tell him the child is going to soon be on the way. And Sarah was not a perfect person of faith. By the way, Abram, Abram and later name changed to Abraham, was not a perfect person of faith either. They struggled like we do. In fact, she was hearing this behind the curtain, and she was, she's back there giggling. Ha! I'm 90. Have a kid. You know? They don't, they don't make age-appropriate maternity wear for someone my age, you know? This is, this is way unbelievable, but here she is. 
She's with child. God promises. And God fulfills. And I like how Abraham is described in verse 12. Therefore, from one man, and he is good as dead. How would you like to have that stuck in, in your story? You know, He was so old, he was good as dead. That's what it says in the text. I'm just reading. We're born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, in multitude and innumerable as the sand which is on the, by the seashore. When she died, she had one child, Isaac. That was it. That's not much. Now, I know she was excited about that. It was, it was a miraculous intervention that she was able to conceive and have a child in her 90s. We understand that, that, that that's, that's way beyond anything that would naturally happen. But she didn't see the descendants being innumerable like sand on the sea or stars in the sky. In fact, uh, Abraham had that same promise. And Abraham was called, and God tells him, why don't you step outside your tent there and look at the sky? See all those stars? If you can count them, give it a try, but your descendants are going to be innumerable. And that is so true. Not only those who are descendants in flesh from Abraham's reality, Abraham's heritage, but all those who would be grafted in through faith in Christ. Us. So... A long-delayed son into an innumerable multitude. You know, friends, what God calls us to do is what she did. And notice how her story begins in this text, the same way that Abram does in verse, nine, verse 8 and in verse 11, her, by faith. God wants us to serve by faith. He wants us to live by faith. And sometimes things that we would long for are long-delayed, long-delayed, long-delayed. I uh, heard word of a friend of ours that, that, uh, uh, that we knew in years past. She was a godly Christian lady. Husband was, he, he claimed to be an agnostic. He just can't know if there's a God, so why bother? And if you'd ever try to talk to him about the Lord, that conversation was going to come to a screeching halt. He just hit a roadblock. She died, went to heaven, and at least probably 10 years ago, I found out last fall, through a mutual friend in a nursing home, past age 90, he finally gave his life to the Lord. Now, not every story ends that way. You understand that. But long delayed? Somehow I think God got a message through to heaven, told her about it. She'll know someday. Long delayed? Not much? No, 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 it's not yet. Not yet. When you have your disappointments, when you have those moments, when you feel, I mean, these people that he's writing to just felt like quitting. They want to just, why, why do all this? And probably if the truth were known, and we had a moment where we could be really authentic with each other, I expect all of us, and I certainly say it for me, there's been moments in my life where just, I just want to quit. I just want to, just want to stop. I just, I'm, I've had it. But God says this, by faith, by faith, you look at what's the future. You look at what's out there, and you leave it in my hands. And when you say, this is not much, the reality is it's not yet. We believe him anyway. Now, what the writer of Hebrews often does is he'll talk, tell the story a little bit, and then he goes into, now here's what it means, here's the preaching part, and that's verses 13 through 16. So, start with a taste of the promise. Secondly, start with a small blessing. See, in the future, that small blessing was that child that was given. 
And thirdly, start with a small step. And as you do, you'll see the future. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Notice there's three verbs that appear in this verse. Were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. One of those would be a good step for any of us today. All three would be even better. That in in spite of what this life looks like, and sometimes when these people, as they were feeling it, we should just quit. This This is not what I bargained for. It's not what I signed up for. He says this. Here's what you do. You need to do this. You need to be assured by these promises that are far off. You can see them in faith, but you don't experience them in reality. But you're assured by them. You just tell yourself, this is true. This is real. God wrote it down. God gives us, I mean, God's character is at stake if he doesn't keep these promises to us. God is not truthful if he doesn't keep these promises to us. So just hit the refresh button and be assured. It's true. It's true. There's a, there's a glorious future for us out there. And we, maybe we spend through this life 70, 80, 90, 100 years what a brief moment in time compared to eternity that awaits. Look for a city that had foundations whose builder and maker was God. Be assured of them. Then he says, embrace them. Embrace means to grab hold of and don't let go. For some reason, as the snow has come down in the last few days, uh, it's sort of melted with some of the sun that's come out and hanging right over our front door is these life-threatening icicles up there. And then they drip all over, and I put salt out, whatever. It's just a sheet of ice. So I'm going out to try to, to warm up the car today. So I'm holding on to the doorknob as long as I can to get to the edge because it's slipped down here. And I just want something to hang on to. Wintertime in West Virginia is not the only time it gets slippery and slick and you have the risk of falling, right? What do you hang on to? You hang on to the promises of God. What I see is not much. Yes, that is true. But the reality is, it's not yet. You you hang on to them. You be assured of them. You embrace them. You you cling to them. And then lastly, the word confess appears in verse 13. And confess confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. You understand this is not it. This is not this is not permanent. I want to encourage you to do something. Next time you write down your address, will you confirm your address? Go to the doctor every year. Would you confirm your address? I've lived there for years. No, write it down. You got to put it back on the thing. Or you address an envelope. You may not want to tell that person you're talking to because that may not be appropriate at that moment, or maybe it is. But you know what? What you need to write down is just remind yourself temporary, temporary, not permanent, not, not, not going to be permanent. So when we confess to ourselves that, that this is not our home, we're, we're camped out here, we're strangers, that, that we're foreigners, in other words, pilgrims just traveling through. That's the point of verse 14. He says, those who say such things declare plainly. When you say this is not my home, you declare that you're seeking a homeland. That puts you in future vision status. It moves you from the not much to the not yet. 
you know, that home that you have that you've spent a lot of money in or you pay rent for it every, every day or every month, whatever your status is. We're thankful for the shelter, especially when the storm winds blow. But you know what? I've learned this. Someone told me this when I first got married, when I was just a young man full of enthusiasm and a boss I had. said, so let me tell you something. If you have a house and a car, you're never without something to do. And boy, was he right. And now I think we need new gutters to fix those icicles over, over our house because someone's going to get, you know, stabbed with one of them one of these days. So anyway, it is, it's, it's temporary. Look for that homeland. Look for that homeland. And then it, it, we do that through confession. And here's the summary of it. Verse 13. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. If they were focused on what was on, in the past... Abraham would have gone back to Ur. Sarah would have said, I don't see any kids. Let's go for home. I don't see any land. Let's just head for home. What are we doing out here living in tents when back home we could at least have a permanent roof over our heads? He says, don't focus on what used to be. You focus on what will be. You focus on that. And look at this last verse. We're going to look at verse 16. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I frankly like living in Charleston. We have our problems. I understand that. There's advantages and disadvantages wherever you live, but I like living in Charleston. I think there's more advantages than disadvantages myself. I like living in West Virginia. It's, it's my home. Every time they play country roads on, I, you know, I get a little, you know, have a little emotional reaction. I love that. But you know what? We've got a city that awaits us. A city whose builder and maker is God himself crafted for you. Now, you only get to that city through faith in Jesus. You've got to be one of his children. And maybe people who come out on a snowy, slippery, slidey morning, maybe we're all believers. If that's true, I'm, I'm happy about that. But if that's an open question for you, if, that, if you know your name is not, if you not, don't have the assurance that your name is written in his book, you need to trust Christ, and we'd love to share with you what it means to be a follower of Christ. Pastor Adam's right here. I'm around. A Christian friend or family member you came with could have a conversation with you, but if you need Christ, seek him. You need Christ, believe in him. We need a Savior. And Jesus said this the night before he was crucified. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. This world is not our home. I want to put it in front of you one more time. When we look at what we face in this life, sometimes we say, not much. Really, we need to say, not yet. Not yet. Let's live looking toward the future and be encouraged by it. Thank you for joining us for this time of worship and study brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia. If you are in the Charleston area, we would love for you to worship with us in person. For service times and more information, visit our website, calvarywv.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.